The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building Resilience. Talking Trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4. WN. Good morning, Australia. Good evening, America. You're listening to Radio Tony Live. And we've had the usual technical issues this morning getting onto Skype and it's been misbehaving completely. So this morning, before I introduce you to my guests, I'm going to tell you a little bit of what I've been up to this week. So we have just launched the new Radio Tony website, which I will pop into the chat box momentarily. And It's lovely that I have everything in one place, all on one site. So if you jump on there, you'll be able to see my past podcast. You'll be able to see all my guests and what they're up to and their websites and information. And you'll also be able to pop on and be a guest on my show. There's also bits and pieces for you to be a sponsor of my show or do some advertising. So that's all on my new website, radiotony.com. And also this week, we have managed to have one of our guests live in the studio with me, which is a rare privilege for me to have someone live in the studio. Also, later in the show, we have Peter Warman joining us and our guest sponsor, Kerry Hort-Rowe, will be joining us later as well. So just for those of you that were asking last week about the fires and rain in Australia, we're actually finally getting some decent rain and there's been some low-level flooding over the past few days, which is very nice indeed. Um, Also this week, I have had my husband working from home this week because, as you all know, there's a big coronavirus scare going on at the moment. And one of his work colleagues happened to arrive back in Australia from China with one of the people on the aeroplane having tested positive to coronavirus. So he is actually at home for no other reason than his boss decided that he would be careful and he's loving it because the two-hour commute on the train to his work in Brisbane is not fun for him at all. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about this week before we get on with um, the show is I've launched Transformational Touring with Tony to the Philippines and I have had this idea of doing transformational retreats for a while. However, 
it's been uh, a work in progress for me. And finally, we've gotten to the place where I have released the tour. So we jump on a plane, head off to Manila for a week. And the idea behind my tours and retreats is so that you get to experience a little bit of something different. So in the first few days in Manila, we sponsor a feeding program and we get to participate in that feeding program in Manila in a place called Zone 3, which is a slum area of Manila. Um, We get to do some special little tours around the most important museums and key tourist sites in Manila. We also get to go to a place called GK Village. And in this village, it's very special because the buildings within that village are all paid for by Filipino people who donate their time. So in essence, they get a shelter and a roof over their head for the price of X number of hours. So you get to participate and see what it's like to be part of a social entrepreneurship process in the Philippines. And it also shows you what your tourist dollars do for the uh, poorest of people in the Philippines. So we do that and we then all jump on a plane to Coron. And Coron is one of the Philippines' most beautiful islands, recently voted the most beautiful island in the world. We jump on a plane and go to Coron where you'll be able to experience some downtime, some mini workshops and talks with me. You'll also get to have uh, some time in the hot springs, some massage, and of course, all your food is concluded and we'll be going to different restaurants to try different things every night. So that's my uh, transformational tours to the Philippines. When we get on um, a break and a little bit later, I will pop up the links so that you can have a look at the tour itself. I'm really excited that um, we're able to do this and excited to be able to tell you about it on radio today. So we are at our first break, so I'm going to head over to Rebel. We're going to have a song, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to the amazing Peter Wallman, um, author of the best-selling book, The Wisdom of Passion and the Inventor of Passion Mapping. So when we come back from the song, we'll be live on air with Peter. Um, Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony. On W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Join Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio Tony uncovers and exposes the social and moral issues of our time, bringing social consciousness to the airwaves. You're not alone with your secrets. Let's talk trauma and resilience. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, Thursday evenings from 7pm Eastern Standard Time on W4WN. Misty eye of the mountain below Keep careful watch of my brother's souls And should the sky be filled with fire and smoke Keep watching over during sun 
this is to end in fire Then we shall all burn together Watch the flames climb high Into the night Calling out Father Oh, stand by and we will Watch the flames burn over and on The mountainside should die tonight we should all die together raise a glass of wine for the last time calling out father oh, prepare as we will watch the flames burn over and on the mountainside desolation comes upon the sky now I see fire Inside the mountain I see fire Burning the trees And I see fire Hollow in soul I see fire Blood in the breeze And I hope that you
Radio Tony on W4WN, your safe space for tough conversations. And welcome back. You're listening to Tony Lontis on Radio Tony. And in a moment, we'll be talking to Peter Wallman, the author of best-selling The Wisdom of Passion and the inventor of Passion Mapping, which enables individuals, pairs and groups to connect with their deepest essence and to generate clarity about what is most important and fulfilling for them. He is the world leader in techniques to discover, ignite, and direct passion in people and organizations. He has facilitated projects in many different organizational development situations, including leadership development, team building, innovation, coaching, and OD strategy. He has led passion mapping retreats for one of the world's leading consulting firms for senior executives of divisional geographical locations and cultural practice backgrounds. As the principal facilitator of Passion Maps, he personally trains and accredits practitioners. Peter also leads retreats designed to unleash the collective genius of leaders. Welcome to Radio Tony, Peter. Thank you very much for having me, Tony. Can you hear me okay? (laughs) Everything's fine. Just one of those little days when things just don't quite go to plan. So, you're in Sydney for a conference at the moment, so I'm very appreciative appreciative of your time this morning. Now, you've been doing passion mapping for a little while now. How long has it been, Peter? Oh, it's probably 20 years now, but it's been quite a story. You know, originally it didn't start as passion maps. It started when I was working with a another guy on a consulting job and and I was in that place where you know between the now the part the past and the future and yes and that very very sort of weird place where you don't know what it's very hard to make any decisions and he said to me Peter before we work on this project can we work on you (laughs) and and so he actually was doing a gestalt therapy course at the time and we put up all the things onto a whiteboard that I wanted that were important for me, yeah. and it didn't go anywhere. You know, like I, we were trying to get some epiphany to make me feel, I guess, more centered and, and whole and connected. Yes. And what happened is the wind came in and, and blew a couple of post-it notes off the whiteboard, and, and I stamped on one in frustration, and I had a really big physical response. And wow. I, I thought that was that's just an anger response and I was doing a lot of yoga at the time so I had very strong sort of embodied connection then something else happened another one was down there I stamped on that and I had a totally and utterly different response so I thought this is pretty weird how come I can stand on pieces of paper with words written on them and get a really powerful response and what's my body telling me about this yeah yeah so over time I worked with friends and and developed a way to get you know, the whole a whole person together through feeling into what was important rather than thinking into what was important. And I found that this was quite different. And along the way, um, so, so I worked with people who'd lost their jobs or that had trauma or they were feeling depressed or whatever, and it yeah. always seemed to work. Okay. Getting out of their heads and into their body. Yes. And someone along the line said, um, I think what you're doing is, is a passion map, Peter. I thought oh. that's a nice that's a nice name. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. So so the, the name Passion Maps was born, even though what we do is a lot more than just passion maps. So yeah, yeah. it's been a big journey. And then if do you want me to keep going on that theme? Oh, 
I'm happy for you to keep going. I'm loving listening to this story of how you got to Passion Maps. Yeah, so we had this name and I was, you know, I'd worked with maybe 10 or 20 different people and and then someone asked me, can you teach us how to do this, Peter? So I had to develop some discipline into the process and book a, book a place to do it. And because we work on the floor yes. and we work with oval discs on the floor with words yes. on them, um, we needed space. So I had to book a place and then I had to charge and then they had they wanted to get their money back, so they started charging their clients. So I thought, well, if they're charging their clients, I'll start charging. And then that a business was born. Wow. And, and it's evolved in its own way. It's almost like passion has its own course, its own, um, its own momentum, its own knowledge. Yes. And that was really one of the reasons I wrote the book, The Wisdom of Passion, because I'd learnt so much and so had all the people that I taught. I'd learnt so much about how to help people to get to a really um, powerful sense of themselves yeah. through the energy of their body, not yeah. through their minds. And for me, it, you know, passion is just energy. It's life force. It's, 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 what, it's how we come alive. Yeah. Uh, it's not some magical thing that we have one passion. We have plenty of passions and all of them bring us alive. So, yeah, that's that's been the story. And I've worked – I've just been incredibly fortunate that I've worked with amazing people around the world. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's mainly been people finding us yeah. or hearing the story of someone else who who Has done, done, a, your program. done the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite remarkable how people sort of just suddenly hear something, hear and a story and then connect with us. I know when we first talked together quite a while ago now, Peter, um, about Passion Maps, I was very intrigued and fascinated and I'm so glad that you could come on today and tell our listeners. Um, one of the questions I wanted to explore with you today is how passion can be utilised in relation to female empowerment. Okay, well, I, I um, can I, I, I'll tell you a little case study that I think yes. really um, embodies this. Now, women's passion maps are generally different from men's anyway. A passion map is about 20 different elements, yes. and it's elements of things that, that passion draws us to do. And, yes. and there's also the qualities of being that we need to do it. A passion yes. map doesn't become stable and coherent without the qualities of being. So... Uh, one of the things for me that I, you know, that I've worked in consulting a long time is people talk about what you have to do. They don't talk about who you have to be in the doing yes. of what you want. Yes. And that's just as important. So a passion map is a sense of being, and women's maps are different. And, and there are some really clear differences. For example, that the maternal instinct has no equivalent in in the in, in the male. In the male, there's no equivalent. So that in, its, that in itself, this is energetically I'm talking, not, not yeah. intellectually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, women's maps tend to have more relationship elements. Um, we know this about women and, and men's are more, more task-related. Yeah. And so I was, I was tasked with the, by the world's leading consulting firm to do a program one of the women directors, there were about 20 directors at the time yes. and about 200 men, 
to 20 women. 20 and I was, women and 200 men? So they worked in a male-dominated organisation or even industry. Definitely. And we were tasked with the, the question of how can we make these women a distinctive asset of the firm? Yes. And this really concerned, she's just weighed on her mind. I mean, how do we do this? Yeah. How do we find? And I had been running some other retreats, some other leadership retreats and renewal retreats, having Passion Maps as a central focus for the same organisation. So they recommended that we work with the women. So we worked with all the women individually. Um, well, originally it was going to be just the US. So we worked, did a retreat in the US and that was very powerful. And all the rest of the women around the world or the directors, women directors around the world wanted to be part of it. So we went and worked with them individually and then collectively they all came together in London for a day to create a collective passion map. Oh, so wow. this, this, this is interesting because it really was, you know, passion map captures the feminine essence in a woman or the masculine essence in a man and, and underneath beliefs and underneath, even underneath gender, underneath habits, underneath, you know, everything. Yes. So it's yes. the raw essence of who we are. Yes. So you can imagine these 20 incredibly powerful women coming together from that place and creating a collective passion map, which is, wow. and there's a lot of energy in a passion map. Um, yes. And I can, I can still remember the room, you know, it was like there was a furnace in the middle of the room when they did this I was just thinking about map. 20 powerful women working on a passion map in one room and thinking, man, I wish I was a fly on the wall. So as I, I, a I had bloke two, in the room, yeah. what was that I had that two like women helping I had two women helping me, so there yeah. were three of us facilitating. I wouldn't uh, do that myself. What was it like being a bloke? Incredibly honouring and humbling and incredible to see the power that women can have coming together from their femininity rather than their sort of conventional way of doing things. Yes. And the interesting thing is they all realised that, that they could do so much from this place. Yes. And they, in one day they started about 10 different initiatives, which most of which, most of which has been enduring. Uh, one of them was one of them was to create a leadership program, which is running. One of them was a women's health initiative. One was health within their firm. Uh, one, there was a whole range of things, but the one that I loved was the what they set up a series of award, awards for men uh, yes. who most supported women ah, in the firm. Good on them. In other words, playing on men's competitiveness. You know, seeing Fred, <laughs> seeing Fred blogs up on the stage because they chose. The biggest time, biggest event that this this organisation had to, to make it, and they're just imagining, you know, someone, you know, talking to their male friends, saying, "I'm better than he is. I'm going to help women more next year than he oh. did, so I can the stage." And oh, it's worked. Peter, it's actually worked. Wow. So if that can happen in one company, imagine if we could spread it through the world and have the same uh, initiatives in all big companies across the world. Do you think that those things are changing? Because I know in talking to lots of women that lots of things are not changing, uh, so much so that I really want to restart that conversation in Australia from that perspective that um, 
we still seem to have so much patriarchy across Australia in particular, or do you think it is changing, Peter, from your perspective? I think it's definitely changing with younger women. I yes. see, you know, the most extraordinary younger women yes. uh, in my travels. And, and uh, I've just trained a couple of women in their 30s. Phenomenal. Um, and I, I think that women have generally grown up in a male-dominated world and, and just they've learnt male-based ways of doing things. That's just the yes. way you do things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the way of, I mean, I think they were stunned and I yes. was certainly stunned at what they could do coming from this place of their raw essence. Yes. And I think, you know, I think uh, we live in a world where people make decisions mostly from their heads. Yes. And, and not from, not yeah. from, it's not, well, it's their hearts and their souls. You know, I would say that, that this is, um, one of the things that I've realised with this work is that we're accessing almost like the the essence of creativity or the place of intuition and the yes. a place that's that's naturally feminine. Yes. And yes. so women women gravitate to this work more. Yeah. But they still get very surprised sometimes. And I, I love I love working with 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 couples and with groups. Yes. Uh, yes. Because when you bring passion together. Um, it's amazing what will happen. Yeah we, yeah. we have a program called a Bombora when people yes. from any sort of people come together around an issue, whatever mm-hmm. that issue is. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, they explore their passions around that issue and then they create a collective map. And the reason that we use Bombora is that it's a surfing term yeah. and it's a rock structure. I mean, Australians will know this or certainly Australian surfers will know this. Yes. And, and it's, the sea is flat, but when the energy in the sea gets to a certain level, it suddenly breaks into big waves. Yeah. It's, it, it's an Aboriginal word. And, um, yeah. And, and so this is a bit like that. You know, if you can bring enough passion to, to bear on a singular focus, uh, it, it's just amazing what will happen. And because the energy just seems to flow in its own right, action seems to flow in it, you know. Yeah. flow from there and, and we ran one of these in in bali um just a few months ago and we had yes. people from eight countries so if you can imagine like 25 random people from eight countries coming oh. together and and the, the the topic was how can we be a force for good in the world wow. so so out of that a whole lot of initiatives have happened of people working in different ways and uh, but but guided by our essentially our humanness and our our uh, you know this this innate creativity and, and innate capacity to connect when we yeah. don't have our minds interfering with that. Yeah. Yeah. So when we when we work with couples, I mean, I think my favourite work is with couples because uh-huh. um, they just create a whole different way of being. They actually create their relationship based on their combined map yeah. and 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 it's very conscious and and people have been married for 30 years and they suddenly have a whole different experience of what a relationship is uh-huh. you know and you can't really explain it without actually doing it that's yes. one of the difficulties i have with this business it's it's um 
to do it to understand. You have to do it to understand it. You know, you but have to Peter, go to got, that. Sorry? What have you got coming up in the next few months in terms of how do people find you? How do they connect with you? How do they go to your retreats? Well, the best way is just to connect with us through the website. Either send us an email or, yeah. you know, it's just passionmapsoneword.com. Yeah. And um, and also they can book a book a time to talk to me. I, yeah. mean, I think this is a very personal, very um, individual business. People's maps are very different. Their re- reasons for doing their work is very different. Yeah. Um, so I like to be able to you know ensure that there and we can actually provide something that that they want, or or we're likely to be able to provide something that they want. So yeah, yeah. that's the best way. Um, and if if they um, do if they do that, they can also sign up for daily quotes if they want to, and they'll have we'll have um, we'll have um, we'll have their email address, and we can and you'll send, send them. Send so them we've daily got quotes. Yeah, yeah, I've got a passion mapping retreats coming up in in Australia. Um, yeah. In Sydney, Melbourne, and 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 where where I live, which is near the Gold Coast or yes. near Byron Bay, actually. Yes. Um, we have an interesting program on in in Melbourne, where there's four people contributing to um, bringing energy into organisations. How can you work with energy? Yeah. And passion, and there's a there's that's a very interesting uh, project that's just being done. We've got. And a, a, um, an accreditation program coming up in in Adelaide soon, yes, and I'm planning yes. to spend I'm planning to spend three months. My partner is Canadian, and we're yes. planning to spend three months in in North America in oh. in Toronto. From uh, it'll be from August to um, November, August to oh. October, actually. Fantastic. So I'll be I'll something over there. And if you happen to be in uh, Ghana in May, you can probably do something there. <laughs> uh huh. I'm I'm just so thinking I, there's a high probability that we will that I will be in Canada in uh, September at this stage. That's what we're planning. So um, oh, that'd be fabulous. I'd love to take fun? you through it. I, I really love to take you through it, Tony. I really respect oh, what I've you're doing. Oh, I've been wanting to do it for a while. Fabulous work. Just finding time in my schedule is proving challenging at the moment. Um, so when people go away with you on a retreat, they you engage them in the program and they come out the other side with their own individual passion map if they're going as an individual. If they're going as a company, then they'll come out with company initiatives. Is, that's my correct understanding? Yeah, if that's what they want. Yeah. So yeah. so we've we've run we've run retreats corporate retreats tend to be a week long. Yes. And they tend to have a focus and and the the passion map yes. provides a sort of a spine down the middle of the the program. One yeah. thing that's interesting actually about uh, that I would like to say is that we had one company that wouldn't do any retreats after a while without the spouse involved again a oh. male dominated company yeah. and they wanted the spouses to go through the process at the same time or well, they found that the people who went through with their spouses were much more able to retain this higher sense of self and potential 
and and working from a deeper place themselves because not only did they have their their partner who could live from that place as well but they had a collective map which represented the essence of who they were together so it was a bit like having three legs of the stool you know it it held the, the capacity for people to hold to live from a place of uh, yes. you know a deeper essence and more focused yeah. energy so um and they wouldn't do anything after a while except with that way because it was so much more effective yes. and both men's and women's leadership programs are they're fraught because yes. the statistics say that most of them fail and yeah. one of the reasons they fail is is that people you know lose the capacity to go back to that place where they got to in the program yeah and in fact it's a nat- it's a natural human tendency to yeah. Yeah. want to um you know go back to where you were so yeah. that that's an interesting thing and of course the male if you're working with energy anyone who who has sort of practiced tantra i think will know that, you know firsthand the differences between male and female energies both in themselves and in their partners and it's harmonizing that that creates the absolute ecstasy that that uh, yeah. tantra provides and uh and a huge respect for the other gender mm. which normally often people don't have because it, it uh you know it's it's fraught with you know bad experiences and emotional um, trauma and distrust yeah. and whatever yeah. Yeah. stories, but I, you know, I love that I love that men and women can come together underneath all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I wonder. Um, I'm just starting to do a few blog posts around our work and 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 wellness because yes. we've been asked to work with a couple of wellness retreats, one in Bangkok, one local, oh, to wow. be the spine of the to be the spine of their yeah. wellness program. Yeah. Because surely knowing yourself and being whole yeah. in yourself yes. sit, sits at the middle of everything. It should and, do, uh, shouldn't it? Yeah, and the word healing and whole uh, come from the same root. Yeah. I was going to touch on that um, healing aspect. Do you see that people who do the work in passion maps, do they also experience a certain level of healing coming out the other side? Do you see that, Peter? Absolutely. Yeah. We have we have we have one of our coaches is or practitioners in Cairns is the go to woman for depression. Yes. And she gets referrals from psychologists, psychiatrists Yes. Counselors, all sorts of people who can't deal yeah. with depression, a case of depression, yeah. and most of them she's able to work with. And again, a lot of depression is people go round and round and round in their heads. Yes. And when you go out, you, you can't argue with what your body says. You can argue yeah. with your head and your thoughts. Yeah. And so you don't go round and round. And people get a like a, a sense of um, ownership of themselves, or I don't know what the right word is. It's sort of self validation. Yeah. that they often don't feel when they're caught in their this sort of traumatic uh, yes. run around. And, and a lot of this stuff is not, it's not rocket science. It's just no. really basic. But it, yeah. does require, it does require quite a lot of um, knowledge and 
training and precision to be able to do it well. There's there's a lot of precision. If you get the precision right, it's fantastic. If you don't, it doesn't work as well. Peter, so it's um, like a lot of things. Before we run out of time, I've I've got a whole heap of questions that I want to get to. Um, comment was you both look very good today um lang wants to know is this from a movie no passion maps is not from a movie but i'm quite sure it would make a great movie what do you think peter oh i'd never thought of that i mean yeah. we make movies we make movies of our events or, or or videos of our events i think there's links on our website to some of our events um yes. but I yeah i haven't actually I haven't actually videoed a whole process right through. There's yeah. a certain um, sacredness about working with people at this level. Yeah. Sometimes we we feel we don't want to break that, you know, with yes. with, a, with a video or something. Yeah. Because we're yeah. we're really at some level we're working with people's souls. Um, I'm and we quickly, don't we don't characterise it like that. Yeah. I'm going to quickly run through these um, questions because we are so out of time. But I just, Carl wanted to know, did you say married people understand it and people who are not married don't understand it? Uh, Jen wants to know, how would someone find what their passion is? Leslie wants to know, so all types can go to this retreat. Alec wants to know, how do you know what will work for you? There you go, Pete. Well, um, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't write them down. So can can you just read the first one and I'll yeah, deal with Carl that very quickly? Know, did you say married people understand it and people who are not married don't understand it? And I'm guessing that Kyle refers to um, the passion maps process. Uh, no, I didn't say that. What I was yeah. saying is that that people, uh, when they come together um, in a conscious way with from their maps and a shared intention. Like yes. people don't say, what's the highest, what's the, the what's the most we want out of our relationship together? They don't even ask that question usually. Yeah. And, and just just getting agreement on, look, what's the highest expression of who we are collectively, which is yeah. the starting point for a collective passion map is potent. And yeah. and so, um, yeah, people sort of slide into relationships, they slide yeah. into bed, they slide into relationships, and it yeah. exists. And it's something they think of between themselves. But when they develop that consciously, it's a third thing. And, and often people have a sense of it's actually a gift to the world. Our relationship yes. is a gift to the world. Yes. It's beyond us. Yes. A whole yes. different thing. It's a whole different yes. thing. Anyway, next question. <laughs> Jen wants to know, how would someone find what their passion is? Well, you go to Peter and do a passion map. Isn't that correct? Well, if you don't come to me, you've got to be very um, observant of the way that energy arises in you. Because yeah. passion is, is energy arising. And, yes. and and just notice, you know, or even keep a diary. When do you feel energised and when don't you? And especially, um, yeah, when don't you is important because that's draining you. What people drain you, what places drain yes. you, what activities drain you. Yeah. I mean you can do some of that just with a with a without um, doing a passion with map. A, with with a diary, but if you do a passion map, it's a whole different level. You're working from you, you know, you're working from your essence, from your creative essence. It's a different experience and, and much more precision. Um I could Leslie, go into this. I could 
I know we could we could do I will have to do another program on this Peter I'll have to um, find time in your diary to have you on the radio again um, because Leslie wants to know so all types of people can go to these retreats and the answer would be yes but you like to connect with people before they do anything that's correct isn't it ideally yeah, yeah. it's lots yep. of ideals but you know it'll work anyway I would say that when I was developing this and the structure, I wanted it to work for every single adult yes. on this world, on this planet, yeah. and and it works for Indigenous people. It's probably worked for different ten, twenty ethnicities, and yes. and so yeah, it works for everybody because it's basically our essence of our humanness. We're all human, yeah. and, and and we can connect at that level too. But we're not used yeah. to doing that. We don't know how to do that. Yeah. So we'll give you give you some ways to do that. Yeah, and that just about answers Alex's question is how do you know what will work for you? And you take them on that process, don't you, Peter? Yeah, to some extent. And there are questions like that, Alex, that you have to answer yourself. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, they're, 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 this is work is about uncovering your knowledge, yeah, your drive, your essence. And you're the only one who can know when you're there or what, what's working for you. All we can do is hold a space and guide you towards that. In fact, we have a, we have a, a saying in our facilitation called Asking Ali. And, and we had a guy, and I was running a, a project in, um, in California recently, and we had a guy in there asking Ali. He'd always ask the same question, you know, can I do this? Should I do that? Is it that? And we, I always say, well, you have to... You, that's your question to answer, yeah, not ours. To, yeah, in, yeah. in the end, we, we just kept saying to Ali, look, just ask Ali, just ask Ali, just ask Ali. <laughs> and now that's we use that. We use that Excellent. for all sorts of people. It's asking Ali. Asking Ali means I'm, ask trying, to get a, I'm trying to get a solution or ask mm -hmm. someone else about something that I only can answer. Yes. And that's and, your answer, Alex. Only you can answer that. Peter, I'm conscious that you're in the middle of a conference and I um, have taken you over time because we've had such a wonderful conversation this morning. I can't thank you enough for uh, interrupting your conference to come on Radio Tony today. I really appreciate it um, and I'll touch base again with you soon and see if we can find another time for you. Um, listeners, we're going to say goodbye to Peter now and welcome live on the show, Kerry Hortrow. Thank you so much, Peter. Bye for now. I just... Can I just yes. say goodbye to all the all the listeners? Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your questions. Thank you, Tony. It's been a delight, and, and I'd love to do this again. Uh, and have a, really, have a great yes, day. Definitely. We should do this again. Thank you so much, Peter. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Bye. Good morning, Kerry. Good morning, Tony. Hello, my darling. I'm sorry that we're running late today. Well, it was it was actually just perfect timing. Because you're running late, my next decline is about to arrive soon. So I've quickly raced out, put the dog away, <laughs> unlocked the gate, and I've sent her a message, just let yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kerry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, listeners, we have the 
gorgeous Kerry Hort Rowe on the show this morning. And as you know, Kerry's been a sponsor of Radio Tony since October last year. And so we're almost coming to the end of our sponsorship time together. And Kerry is a favourite of the show. So today I wanted to talk about her business, Brain Thinking, and revisit the whole conversation we had back a number of months ago about what HBDI is. Yes. Okay, so HBDI is something that I have just sort of done a little bit um, different and come up as it is colourful thinking. It's mapping out your thinking. Yes. That's a great description. Yeah. So I was just playing around with words a little while ago and, of course, HBDI, you know, it's great, it's original, it's there. Um, but I just thought, no, it's colourful thinking. Bring colourful thinking back into the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So HBDI is the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument. Dominance yes. Instrument. So I get the D Herman, wrong. That's all right. So Herman is Ned Herman, who actually, um, dis, you know, um, came up with the metaphor and with him and his neuroscience friends realize that there is only four thinking styles in the world but it depends as to what degree and what quadrant you are so when you add you know um you might have someone that might have a very similar profile to what you are but your personalities will make it slightly different and whether you're male or female because men and women think a little bit differently so and then when you add all those together then you work out what your strengths and weaknesses are and it's just one of the most amazing tools. So it's just it colourful thinking and mapping out your thinking. And so how would people use this colourful thinking or HBDI in their business and their home life? Oh, it's I have seen mums who have been able to talk to their children so differently, yes. um, talking on their level. I have seen daughter-in-laws all of a sudden surprising the mother-in-law because she's got on with them better. Um, oh. I've seen a husband and wife who, after 30 years, have said, oh, my goodness, why didn't we know you this 30 years ago? We wouldn't have had half the arguments. It's one of those tools that you can use in business, personal. Um, I've seen owners of a business go, oh, my goodness, I actually can do this. Where corporate companies have... Um, someone in marketing, someone in sales. So they're able to work a number of things out easier. When you're a sole trader, you can't afford to do that. So this is virtually like having a whole um, team of people in your brain to be able to help you work it out. Yeah. And as our regular listeners would know, I've done this program with Kerry and done my HBDI test and found it incredibly helpful for arranging my business week. So knowing how my brain functions and when it functions best and organising my week to suit how my brain thinks, i.e. brain thinking. Yes. And so, Kerry... Can you tell the listeners how easy it is to do the test and how easy it is to implement the results of the test in your life and your business? Okay, so it's um, super easy to do. Anyone can do it. Uh, It's just a three-step process. You contact me. 
I yes. send you an email and you fill out the questionnaire and then I present you your, um, your profile. That takes over a couple of weeks because I have to get it all printed. And then it and is it comes in this beautiful printed little package with all sorts of goodness in it. Sorry, Kerry, interrupting. Yeah, you. it it does. And uh, so um, they're not allowed to open it until I yeah. Skype, them, and then we'll go through each area, and um, and then it's implemented straight away. So people just get that wow and go, oh my goodness, now I understand this. And then they'll start realising, oh, that's why this doesn't work. I can actually now fix it. So there's a number of things of where um, we can do just a one-off or I can run through an eight-week mentoring program that I do of where we delve into it even more. And yeah. so, so there's things of where you can explore it yourself. I'll send little bits and pieces. Um, yeah, it's just great. I love it. It is. Kerry, Trina wants to know, it helps you get to know yourself and other people? Absolutely. Number one, to understand others, you need to understand yourself. Yes. And by understanding the thinking patterns of people and then by understanding yours, you can communicate with others so much better and easier. Yes, yes. Um, I've also popped up Kerry's um, Brain Thinking website in the chat box. So it's just simply brainthinking.com.au, all one word. Um, and I've also popped in Kerry's um, email address. So for anyone listening today, I really encourage you to email Kerry um, and have a conversation about how uh, HBDI works and how it works in your life. So Kerry, how long have you been using HBDI? I've been using this since 2004, uh, yes. so it's definitely very much part of me. Yes. Uh, my whole life changed once I did this. And so when you, especially when you're under pressure, so it was 12 months yes. after my husband had died, the yes. company we were with um, put us through this HBDI. It helped me take out the emotional decision making and make it more an analytical and our decisions which I made better decisions that I wouldn't normally have done now if, whether you're going through a tragedy or not when we're under pressure that's when we tend to make the quick decisions that often are the wrong ones yeah and when we're in business we're often constantly under pressure and this just helps take that um, that out of the equation that you're actually may, able to make better and in, in informed decisions. The other thing is, is that when you're when you're working on yourself and you're going through this, it, and to make those decisions, after a while, it just becomes second nature to you. Yes. So I know when I'm looking at doing something, or you know, if you're purchasing a car, or even doing the local shopping, you can go through and go, oh, oh no, yep, okay, that's right. Have I done the numbers? Have I done this? Have I done that? And then you naturally starts becoming part of you, and you'll realise that you won't make half those mistakes that you used to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you found that twenty? I, I have. I actually have Kerry in my head now. <laughs> since, <laughs> yeah, since I, I hear that all the time and, and I love it. 
Yeah, I, I actually have Kerry in my head and um, remembering what she said. So I did the the questions and the big, beautiful package arrived in the mail and then Kerry said, do not open that until we organise our Skype call together. And then we had this wonderful Skype call where Kerry explained to me exactly where my brain is. So I'm a predominantly creative person. So I have big ideas and visions and I am very not analytical and financial. And uh, so that has really helped me understand myself better and and accept myself because you know I've had people over the course of my life call me a dreamer and now after talking to Kerry and seeing that I have this big creative visionary brain that I've been gifted with and that I can go with that and that's okay and so for the analytical stuff and the financial stuff that means that I have to either give it to someone else or do it at a time of day when it's best for my brain. So my creative stuff comes easily to me. So that's the stuff that I should do when I'm um, like not first thing in the morning. So I try and do my planning and analytical and business finance stuff of a morning when my brain is fresh. And then after lunch and that, then I can get on with my big visionary dreams and Uh, that part of my life where my brain is creative and it flows easily and I don't have to, it's not so much. So having done those things because I did Kerry's HBDI test has been really helpful for me. So, and as you've heard, Kerry's been using it since 2004 and it's had a huge impact on her and the way she does business. So for our listeners just make sure you jump onto Kerry's uh, website, which is brainthinking.com.au, and Kerry's email is Kerry Hortrow, K-E-R-R-Y-H-O-R-T-R-O-W-E at brainthinking.com.au. And because I'm conscious that Kerry has um, a client coming to talk to her, I want to just allow her anything else you'd like to say because I know you have to go. That's okay. Look, the thing is, is that um, with brain thinking and, you know, the reason why I called it is because our brain never stops thinking. So when you do do the HBDI um, profile, it not only maps out your thinking, but like what you said, Tony, it maps out the best part of the day. So it lets you, you know, really as to when your energy is, um, you know, and where you go. When your brain energy is. There's a great um, section of also clusters. So yes. a cluster might be all different types of um, subjects and thinking within a, a quadrant. And it's all these little tools that I that I give you and that you yes. find really, e- it's actually very easy to do and very easy to adapt to your life. And, and very helpful to implement into your life and um, gives, you, gives you a sense of um, direction Empowerment. as well. Yes, yes. It, it empowers you. That's one thing that I've had a number of um, business owners um, have said, I feel like I've got a whole team behind me that I can do all this, you know, whereas normally in a small business you, you can't do that. But they said, I go home and I now can actually separate business from work, yes. um, business from, from personal. I can yes. actually talk to my family a bit better. I, I now know my strengths, my weaknesses my energy levels 
and which part of what part of my business I should do at what part of the day. And by structuring your thinking to, into your day, it, it makes it so much easier. It does. Yeah. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us from Western Australia today. I'm going to let you go so you can see that wonderful client of yours. Um, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Bye-bye. So wonderful listeners, because we're running so uh, behind time today, I'm going to skip the next lot of uh, breaks and I'm going to go straight into our conversation with Sandra Hardy. So Sandra is in my office with me today and she's been listening intently to all our conversations and interviews this morning. Sandra Hardy is a disco ball of modalities. She started her professional life in the corporate world and disillusioned by its lack of heart, she went down the holistic path. She is a pain relief therapist working on the physical, structural and emotional body, a colour analyst, a certified wellness coach, an author, an alchemist, a performer, a facilitator, speaker and she's also a funeral celebrant. So if she can't fix you, she can certainly give you a good seeing off. Sandra may be all of these things and more, but they are simply different tools to assist people in seeing their own magnificence. When life becomes a hiccup, she's made those things, she's made them forget their own. When you have hiccups in life, they make you forget your own personal power. She has authored Why Happy People Create Healthy Profits. Diary of a Menopausal Poet and most almost completed successfully navigating Shit Creek and that's what she's writing at the moment which she hopes to release soon. Um, she has a soft launch of a holistic skin and body range called Sacred Blends and I am the lucky recipient of those beautiful blends this morning um, and I am so happy to have Sandra here in my office today to have a chat about everything that Sandra does. Hi Sandra. Hi Tony, it's lovely to be here on this lovely wick sloppy Australian morning. <laughs> it is, it is. And so, listeners, I don't often have my guests in the office with me and it's a rare privilege to have one someone sit with me the whole show. It's like someone uh, figuratively holding my hand while I do my show and I tell you it's been a bit bumpy today. So, Sandra, I want to start with, hmm, what do I want to start with? I want to talk about you and how you got to this point in your life. Tell me about you. Well, it's really interesting, actually, because I loved what Peter was saying. I could so identify. It's good, with wasn't what, it? Uh, absolutely. And in, I, I kind of do similar work. Yes. And interestingly enough, I do similar work to Kerry as well. Yes. So um, there's many paths to Rome, and i just sort of taken a, a few of them. And the reason I call myself a disco ball is It's a because, lovely description. <laughs> well, you, I think you would relate to it because I'm yes. very much your kind of person. Yes. I am kinesthetic, so I feel things. Yes. Um, I feel here and, and I even talk in the words, I feel this or I feel yes. that. And so energy and creativity is really easy for me. Yes. Although I am 
practical. Yeah. I'm not pragmatic. And uh, so, you know, you're a kindred spirit as soon as I yes, got in touch with you. I know. <laughs> I'm really grateful to Sandra today because I had another guest who unfortunately couldn't make the interview today and Sandra and I just connected organically and I just said, any chance you're available for Friday? And she was. So, bang, she's come on the radio at such short notice and I'm really appreciative that I get to sit and talk to her today because we have discovered that we are like kindred spirits. It's almost like we feel the same thing. So it's it's a very powerful connection of souls. And also Sandra lives uh, not too far from me. So she lives in the hinterland or the mountains behind uh, the Gold Coast. And they're both very spiritual places. So uh, Sandra lives in Tambourine Mountain and I live in Talabudra Valley. And they're, they're the two spiritual places uh, behind the Gold Coast. And there's an energy to those places. And um, so we've got lots of things in common. So I wanted to get on to your book. So when did you first write well, um, actually, the first book, I'll just give you a little bit of background. Yes. I, I was actually a buyer for a department store, Maya, in yes. Western Australia. So, Kerry, I used to live down the road from you. Yes. Um, so, in those days, I basically left school. I actually wanted to be an art teacher or a speech and drama teacher. Right. But my mum and dad said, no, go yeah. and get yourself a job just in case you don't get into college. Yeah. Well, I did, but I applied for every job in the Sunday Times and got a retail cadetship with Maya. Ah. I graduated through and became a buyer, which is probably the equivalent of a diploma in business management, yes. really. And I used to buy for the three stores in Western Australia who had quite different demographics. Yes. And um, and then they centralised the buying system. So I either had to go to Melbourne oh. uh, or, or do something else. So yeah. I actually went to England, went on a working holiday, met yeah. my first husband the first week I arrived. He oh. was from Somerset. Yes. So um, so that kind of changed the course of my life. Yeah. When I came back to Australia, we migrated, he, or he migrated, we came yes. back to Australia. Um, I set up the Suzanne Gray stores in Western Australia. Oh, wow. And when I did that, I studied um, – colour analysis yes you remember yes. when we all had our colour yes. swatches and yes. everything and you I do. drive people insane yes well I studied colour analysis but, and I was accredited with a company uh, uh, colour me a season yes and yes. which is based in California and the lady who taught us that under that accreditation um, was a lady called Ruth Marion, and she was actually the president of the Colour Association of Australia oh, so okay. she taught us really in-depth stuff so um and in that process we were we learnt about personality profiles intuitive coloring yes um, and basically what our coloring means um it's actually the our blueprint yes and um, my mum went back to school uh she's my mum and myself are both dyslexic yes mum didn't do her high school certificate when she was at school so she went back at 42 to do that yeah and she decided to continue and she was studying psychology oh wow. and she became a school psychologist at 50 we were oh, late wow. bloomers, us girls. <laughs> and uh, while she was studying psychology and I was studying color analysis and another friend of mine was studying naturopathy I actually discovered it was all the same thing in a different language yes yes because when I was scoring up people's results 
I saw that there was a Moxia blueprint that was happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that I found that very interesting. And yeah. from that I developed self-development workshops in Western Australia oh, and women's okay. retreats yes. based on being authentic. Yes. And yes. Um, those um, workshops were called Colour Your Life, Get Real. Yes. And there were there were five components. And yep. the, com- the first part was Colour Your Life, Get Real, which is about our colouring and yes. what it means and our um, non-verbal um, communication and how why we're attracted to certain people yep. and all yep. the underlying reasons yep. for that. Um, the second one was called Love the Skin You're In because yes. I – Women have got issues um, whether About. they're a size 8 or a size yes. 28. And yes. so through storytelling and dance, um, I, I developed a wonderful workshop which helped women see how beautiful they are yes. and take them beyond that. Yeah. The third one was called Nourish the Temple. And it was about self-nourishment. Yes, yes. So it was about – it wasn't Self-love. about what you eat. It's about yes. nourishing the self. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one was called Who Do You Listen To? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was about do you listen to your intuition that, oh, that yes. um, yeah, Peter was talking about? Yes. Or do you listen to what the other people say yeah. or, or the, you know, the bad girl on your shoulder kind yeah, of thing yeah. that you'll never please, the, cl- yeah. the crowd's never please. Yes. And the last one was called She Who Aims at Nothing is Sure to Get It. <laughs> and basically that was a goal setting but in reverse because firstly we have to know ourselves yes before yes. we set goals for ourselves yeah. most of us do it the other way around we set goals based on what we think we should yes be that word should should ah that i got word a should 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 and must i've got a girlfriend who actually has given me the best advice and i'm sorry i'm going to use an alternate word instead yeah. of the actual swear word that yeah she said but she said should and must are worse swear words than mother trucker yeah, <laughs> I agree. Because should and must are coming from somebody else. Yeah. They're not coming from They're our passion, from Peter. Mm. And so um, basically when we feel we should or must do something, it's like pushing a barrow uphill. Yeah. But when we want or we desire or we're passionate about yes. something, we have energy from for a it and different it's not place. a drama. Exactly. <clears throat> so I worked with that for a while and, um, and then um, – I had a marriage breakup. Um, yeah. My basically my entire world, Shattered. emotional world, went to the floor, um, and I had to rebuild myself. By this stage, yeah. my mum was a school psychologist, and she <laughs> handed me the book, um, <laughs> "Women Who Run with the Wolves." Oh and, yes. Um, oh, what a, a beautiful book! And I remember she wanted me to read the red shoes, but I read this first story and I bawled my eyes out, and it was oh. basically. Uh, have you read it? Have you read the I, first story? I think story? that I have read it because it's it's triggering in my brain. I'm sure I've read it, yeah. Well, basically the story that really brought me to my knees and obviously worked on it, and this book is designed to work on your psyche. Yes. Um, it's your psyche. So um, the story I read was the, the first one, which is about all the bones that were in a cave. Yes. And how the bones started to come together. And then the hair grew on the bones. Oh. And the she wolf howled and oh. ran out of the cave into the moonlight. 
Well, I could see that that's exactly what had happened to me. Yeah. I had lost myself and all yes. these parts of myself and I was bringing the parts of myself back, back together. together. Um, and this is why, once again, I can really relate to Peter's work. Yeah. So that was kind of a real turning point in my own real development um, yeah. and another disco ball aspect of myself. Yeah. Um, I moved to Australia. Oh, uh, to, to Australia. <laughs> I moved to Queensland <laughs> in 2001, had a late-in-life baby, um, yeah. who's just now my my eldest child is 38 yes. my youngest child is 16 and a half so yeah. I've been a full-time parent for 38 years yeah um and I'm now 60 yeah so um that that was an interesting um cycle that marriage also um broke up and um I was running a body salon in Main Beach yes. I, I had that because I'd become a Yes. massage therapist yeah and from that from doing that and working um with the other aspects that I work with I discovered a few things through uh that massage process I started noticing that the people that were coming to me with pain yes their Achilles tendons were never straight and I started seeing um body patterns yes yes, yes. structural patterns yes, yes. and I started to realize that that we needed to that feet were our foundation yeah and like any other structure if the foundation isn't right the um the structure has to align itself in yeah, relation yeah. to the um the the foundation mm -hmm. so um I've got me really interested in that also having been massaging for all those years yes at that stage I'd been massaging for 15 years I've been I've now yes. been working for 25 years yeah I noticed emotional patterns in the body as well so I knew then like ah. when the hips were really achy yes. the hips represent moving forward with joy hip hip hooray so when ah. people's hips ache yes or your neck aches I always say, okay, so when you get rid of the pain in the ass, you'll get rid of the pain in the ass. When you get rid of the pain in the neck, you'll get rid of the pain in the neck. Ah. And often pain is a messenger and yes. pain, we're obedient to pain. Often we feel and feel things in our and we our mind, just as Peter was saying, our yeah. mind will say, oh, no, but you must do this or should yeah. dismiss that, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So then we'll get a pain yeah. and the pain that, you know, it'll just tweak up more Can and more. Can you feel that when you're massaging yes, in people's bodies? I actually when um, there's an energetic block and that came when years ago, 20 years ago, I started studied kinogenics, which is yeah. energy, kin kinesiology with energy yes. healing. Yes. Now, it wasn't a modality. I did up to level four. Um, it wasn't but it a modality, wasn't a modality for me because it's a head modality yeah. and we're touchy-feelies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And But what happened when I studied that is the yawn started. So I became energetically um, aware of oh, what was going on with wow. people. So it was kind of like a mapping. So I started noticing, you know, all these all these things. Yeah. Um, so when people come to me for a treatment, a physical yes. treatment, yes. Um, I, as I said, I work with them on the physical, the structural mm -hmm. and the emotional mm -hmm. body. Um, 
because there's such a connection between what's going on in your head and what's manifesting or happening in your body. Well, as Peter was saying, we need to feel it. You know, mm. we our body is telling us all the time. Our um, we're we just all the shoulds and musts get in the way and we yeah. don't pay attention. Yeah. All the time our intuition tells us what's right and what's not right. Yes. But all our influences will disregard it. And it's just becoming more aligned and aware mm-hmm. to what the body's saying. And I suppose I'm at the age now where I only do what feels good yeah. now. Yeah. Um you know and I always say everything in, in that happens in life is perfect it is everything is leading you to a to something perfect else. place and mm-hmm. an opportunity mm-hmm. um and it's whether lo- you take those opportunities or you learn the learning wow. um or mm. you move through it so some people get the same things but they get stuck in that trauma stuck in that situation and they don't move through it heal and move out the and other that side story yeah that yeah. story that's right um and i like I'm not immune to it. Believe me, trust me, I've done everything that can be done. You know, Mm. I've been bankrupt. I've been divorced twice. I've, you know, I've had heartbreaking, I've had highs and lows, but, you know, that's life. It is. I always like to say um, I I tend to talk in symbols. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, I always get the symbol of a heart monitor. Oh, yeah. Now, a healthy heart monitor, what does it look like? A healthy heart monitor. No, a healthy heart monitor is up like and this. down. Yes, yes. Quite sharply up and yeah, down. Yeah, it is. What happens when it's a flat line? You're dead. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're not going anywhere. You're, dead. you're moving. You know, problems happen. Problems mm. are opportunities to grow and develop. You know, yeah. you know. Norman Vincent Peale said, "When God gives you a gift." He often wraps it in a problem. Yes. And a problem is an opportunity to stretch and grow Mm -hmm. and so now my thinking is when when like your day you know two days ago what am I going to do but then I just I'm learning very much and this is very new for me that since I started doing what I believe is following my life path there's things that used to stress me like before if um, someone had pulled out from a schedule two days out from a radio show, I would be panic-stricken. Now I just remember to breathe and da-da, here's Sandra. And it's perfect for this program. Like I couldn't think of a perfectly partnered person to have on this program considering the discussions that we've had today. So how perfect is that? And and those synchronicities mm. and that flow happens once you find what you're passionate about and you do it and keep doing it and you don't listen to those squirrels in your head that say you're not good enough, you're going to stuff up. Well, you're going to stuff up anyway. So you may as well stuff up doing something you're passionate a about. stuff up is an opportunity to learn something exactly. new, learn exactly. a different way, and you learn a new path. Yeah. Now when things go wrong, was before I would actually be packed, panic stricken yes. and I st- look don't get me wrong we both yes, still we- go have a but then my next phrase is wow something amazing is going to happen now something much better is going That's to right. happen and you know instantly with that thought you change your vibrational you frequency do. and you attract you do something amazing you do so 
getting to your question about the book. (laughs) I I divert. I'll take you on all sorts of diversions. That's my way. Um, Firstly, um, the first, this wasn't the first book I wrote, Diary of Many Pauls or Poet, but I'll start with this story because the process started with this one. Basically, in my 50th year, my partner ran off with my boss and I became bankrupt. So, um, and I hemorrhaged for five months and I had to live with my partner and work for my boss for five months. So that's probably what hemorrhaging was about. It was probably in my life force. But I used to do this little thing every morning. Um, I used to go to drop my daughter off at school. Yes. And then I'd go and have a coffee Yes. And a muffin because yes. I didn't get a lunch break in this in this job. Yeah. And a weird thing started to happen. Mm-hmm. As soon as I'd have a sip of coffee, mm-hmm. a poem would download. <laughs> and in the beginning, and I in the beginning they were deep and meaningful as you can yeah. well imagine. Yeah. You know, I was probably going through a bit of plum, you know, poor yeah. little old me. And I would write these poems on a serviette. Yeah. And um it started happening every day, so I had to get myself a notebook, and then it became like a bit of a game. Yes. Uh, I'd ha- I wonder what it's going to be today, and I'd have a sip of coffee, and down it Bang. would go. So the flat white palm would come every day. Yeah. And one day, um, I was thinking about my son. Now, my I have a beautiful son. He's just mm-hmm. turned thirty-eight. He's sensitive. Yeah. And insightful. Yeah. And when he was three years old, when I was breastfeeding his sister, he saw my enormous maternity bras on the line. Yeah. And he asked me if they were boob traps. And I thought, <laughs> well, of course they are. Never you. That's what a lovely exactly what they are. And I was having a little chuckle to myself. I don't know how that thought came into my head while I was sitting there waiting for my coffee. But after, with the first sip of coffee, yeah. down came a girl needs support. Which was a poem about brass <laughs> and um, that, that that whole thing with, with Cleve. And the very next day I wrote, I love big undies. And, um, and then a couple of weeks later I went to a concert and um, I went to the loo and I washed my hands. And, you know, when they have that particular lighting yes. over the basin that yeah, shows up that every blue. facial hair, mm-hmm. and I, I discovered I was indeed the bearded woman. So <laughs> I wrote my next poem called A um, Girl Shouldn't Have Whiskers. And and so they continued. And I used to recite these poems to my friends in a West Country accent because my oh, first yes. husband was from Somerset. Yeah. And, of course, anything said in a West Country accent is much funnier than yeah. not yeah so another friend of mine in Adelaide um he used to be a flatmate I used to Skype him mm-hmm. my latest poem yes in a, you know in, in my West yeah. Country accent and he said I sounded like Pam Bears, which of course I oh, don't yeah, but yeah. to the to the un you know to most yes. people yes. they would think yes. I sound like yes Pam Ayres, yeah to the people that you know don't really know the accent yeah so um he used to always, you know, get me to do these poems in my Pam Ayers accent to yeah. his friends. Anyway, for three years, he wanted me to go to the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Oh, yes, yeah. And he said, you know, you really should do it. Yeah. And then for three years I said I was going, but I was a single mum, didn't yeah. have the money. And yeah. 
kept saying yes and not going. Anyway, yeah. after three, four, on the fourth year, he said, you're coming. Oh. He said, you, oh, you're definitely coming to this thing. So I thought, okay, well, okay, I will. So he, he picked me up from the airport and he said, oh, by the way, he said on Saturday we're going to this party and, you know, all the high-profile people of Adelaide are going to be there. We've got the head, you know, yeah. the, the head gynecologist, the, <laughs> the administrator of the hospital. We've got this banker and that person. And um, we're, this party is a themed party and it's yeah. French. And I got you an invite because I've told them you're the entertainment. Oh, my goodness. So I thought, holy smoke, Batman. So that's not really what I said. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I, I had imagine. to commit five poms to memory oh. in a few days. And, you know, I'm a bit dyslexic, so that was yeah, a bit that's interesting. Yeah. One of the ladies there was from the Variety Club, and she said, yes. look, we'd love to have you perform at one of our charity functions. Yeah. Would you come? We'll pay for the airfare and the accommodation. I said, oh, sure. Wow. And then I went home and thought, holy crap, I've got to have a show. <laughs> so Five years had passed in this time from the time mm -hmm. that I started writing the poems. And I must add that I did a spot of online dating and oh, some of the poems fun? were, yes, exactly, <laughs> gave me a plethora of material yeah. for the poems. So I ended up writing the story in between the poems. Okay. And um, But prior to writing that book, I wrote this book, yes. which is why happy people create healthy profits yes. solutions for a happy healthy wealthy you which was a little guide for um to teach holistic um stress management yes. in the workplace yeah and so that i ended up having to create my niche and write the book and blah 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 yeah. blah i did that so yeah but i got sick and tired of trying to preach to the people that didn't want to know about yeah, it yeah yeah so yeah that's actually my that's, first book. <laughs> okay. so by default diary of a menopausal poet was written yeah and what i discovered when i wrote the story in between the poems yes. was it was my very humorous um heartfelt healing process yes of self-discovery and resilience yes and so i performed my one-hour show and launched my book on my 56th birthday. Wow. And um, I have found from that that shock and humour. Yes, go are, hand in hand. They go Well, they're great teaching tools. They are. Mm. And when you think something is funny or shocking, you retain the information. It yes. sticks. So from that, I'm now – because I'm a funeral celebrant yes. and a pain relief therapist, um, I and through my own, not reinventing myself, but following my passion, passion yeah. and realising my own personal resilience yeah. and that something fabulous always comes out of, yes. well, I'd like to say good stuff grows out of the manure of life. It does. It does indeed. And it does. Mm -hmm. um, I felt that a lot of my clients over 50 are really struggling when they're stuck. Yes. And so I decided, and this is why I'm writing this book now, which I hope to have out in September. Very um, exciting. It is very exciting. Um, the first part of the book, what, the book's got navigate, successfully navigating Shit Creek. Yes. And it's a self-help book for the yeah. over 50s, not yeah. limited to, Yeah, course. yeah. But it's a great title, by the way, Well, Sandra. it's... It'll get you looking. It certainly will. And um, hopefully it makes people go, oh, 
and then laugh (laughs) (laughs) and going, that's me. So the first part of the book is about the body. Yes. And just little tweaks we can do. Yeah. Um, you know, because anything too hard you ain't gonna do. Oh yeah. So these are all things that are just um just little tweaks that you can implement into your daily life yeah. one little bit at a time. Yes. To make that little difference that's gonna make you more physically resilient, yes, more mentally resilient. Like uh, can you give us can you give us um just without spell, without telling us too much of what's in the book, but just can you give us some little examples of? Okay, in the first part, um, really, there's some very simple. The first thing we need to do is mm-hmm. breathe. Yes, and honestly, if I if you so do simple. nothing more in your life than breathe properly, mm-hmm. it will make such a huge difference to Definitely. your life. And so, how I like to. Um, once again, I talk in symbols, as you yes. know, as I say. Yeah, yeah. I find it's a great teaching tool. People find it difficult to do this t- tummy breathing, yes, because they're so. When I try to j- yeah. just say, you know, briefly tummy into blah blah blah, they don't get it. So what I like to say is, imagine where your belly button is. Mm-hmm. You've got a little balloon, mm-hmm. and as you're breathing in, you're gently filling that balloon, and as you're breathing out, you're gently Blowing emptying up. that balloon. Uh-huh. So that, that works because yeah. if I try to tell you what to do, you think, oh, it's opposite. Do I, am I supposed to breathe in? Am I supposed yeah. to breathe in? Yeah, Fill yeah. the balloon, empty the balloon. It's quite easy. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, sorry, you're yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to say Harper wants to tell you things today have fallen into the passion, it seems. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Harper is one of my delightful regular listeners and I love it when I see a comment from Harper come up um she's always there every week and I love you Harper uh Kaylee wants to know I have to ask does book do books written in other countries work for people in other countries and what you say (laughs) what did you say that Andy wanted to know what did you say the title of the book is okay (laughs) The, the the poetry story book is called Diary of a Menopausal Poet. And it's fabulous. And it is. It is. <laughs> it's funny. It, honestly, you can read you Humorous. Could, if you you could read it in an hour and a half if you're an avid reader. Yeah. Uh, I often will get it and read it on a plane yes. just to sort of renew yes. little things for myself. Yeah. Um but it'll make you laugh and it'll make you cry and you'll recognise yourself in some of the scenarios. Yes. And honestly, I've had men and women enjoy it equally yeah, absolutely. as absolutely. Um, even though it's called Diary of a Menopause mm-hmm. Poet. It actually isn't about menopause. Yeah. I just happened to be going through menopause when, at, at, when it happened. <laughs> um, and I'm one of these fortunate people that didn't have a really hard time with menopause no, anyway, so that yeah. was lucky. But um, it's just really the, that age group and, yeah. and that sense of humour and, yeah. you know, so that's the name of that book. The book I'm, I'm writing now, with, yes. The one I'm writing now is called Successfully Navigating Shit Creek. Um, so uh, <laughs> your eyes open really wide as you just read something there. <laughs> Somebody's written a comment. James, I am not going to answer that question and I will talk to you after the show. (laughs) Naughty James, I can't even see what you've written, but I'll see later. (laughs) 
Um, so you think that you'll be finished um, the book by? I'm, look, I'm hoping to get the first draft written by the end of March. Yes. And um, then I'm hoping to launch the book in September. Yeah. And what I'm going to do with the book is so I'm going to I'm I'm aiming on do, lots of things. Obviously, uh, you know, the publisher, the whole yes. thing has got to work first. But um, I have someone who's interested in publishing it. Um, awesome. so, <laughs> so the idea is to take the launch around Australia and New Zealand yeah. first. I'm yeah. hoping if yeah. anyone in the States wants me, I'm yeah. really happy to come and see. Yeah. But I'm going to run infotainment yes around that so i don't like okay. to say seminars or workshop because they no, sound boring yeah yeah my style is um humorous and shocking and yeah, interactive yeah. Yeah, because yeah. i like to involve people i like yes. them to laugh because then they'll retain yes. the information yeah so um yeah so the first part is about as i said about the body yeah the second part is about opportunities that come out of yeah. The manure of life. Yes. And usually they're, they're our best growing, stretching experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and there are there are levels of maturity. Not that I know what maturity is. <laughs> I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And the third part is quite important. The third part is about end-of-life discussions. And because I'm a funeral celebrant, yeah. this is the, you know, the this kind of important discussion to have it, well we've got to we've got to lighten up about death definitely because you know, it's we're inevitable all, we're, we're all, all gonna die we're all dying we're you all know? gonna die and people who are a terminal have been given yes. a terminal kind of um date or whatever or yeah they the only difference between them and us is, is they're they actually know. getting their act together yeah as far as getting that side of business happening yeah the reality is it can happen to any of us at it any can. it is a part of life. It is. And we must demystify it and we must have discussions about it. Absolutely. Because uh, I know I'm talking to people from different countries and different states and they all vary with their laws, but um one of the things a lot of people are living together now and they're not married. Yeah. And yeah. in our country um, you know, as I said, I don't know the laws of other countries, but I'm only writing things for you to consider yeah. and yeah. and investigate yourself. But when you're living together in our country, you're considered common law husband and wife. You are. So our Centrelink and our taxation departments and yeah, everything consider you, you a, a couple mm -hmm. for financial reasons. They do. And if you part when you're alive, you have those rights. But if one of you dies... You actually become a single person. <gasps> really? Yes. You're not a. De you, you're not de facto when the other party's dead because oh, they're gone. Oh my goodness! So you, the law changes, and so people, and this is what people don't know, and they're so totally unprepared. So you can be with someone for thirty. Uh, look, I'll give you an example of a, yes, a person, in, yes. a woman in Western Australia, who was with her partner for thirty years. Now he had been previously married. Yes. And um, had children. Yeah. So when he passed away, she didn't have enduring power of attorney, and when he passed away, the power of attorney went to his ex-wife and <gasps> children. So she couldn't even organise his funeral. 
Oh, no. And she ended up sitting at the back of the funeral that was organised by the ex-wife and children. And, I mean, what a horrible thing to discover when the love of your life has passed away. So these are the things I want people to talk about about and understand. The other thing is with, um, with funerals, a lot of people in, you know, in this country in particular are being cremated. Yes. And what a lot of people don't understand is that you can actually have a private cremation which um, I know in in locally is about twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. So you can have a lo- uh, you can have a private cremation, and then you can have a wonderful ceremony afterwards with mm. those, um, you know, with the, yeah. the remains in the urn. Yeah. You can have it at a venue of your choice. You can have a funeral celebrant like myself, or yeah. not. Yeah. Do a a wonderful ceremony. Mm-hmm. You can have it fully catered for, and yeah. the, process, the whole thing will cost you about two and a half thousand dollars. Now, um, so this people is... are buying, um, you know, pre-packaged funerals. Yeah. Who knows whether that company is going to be around when exactly. you? Exactly. Yeah, ten thousand dollars. Exactly. So, um, you know, these are things we need to know. Other things are wills are so important. Oh gosh. Without yes. a will, it's just you know, especially hard, in situations really with divorce and mm-hmm. God knows what, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. It's really really difficult. So, for God's sake, get a will. Go to the public trustees. And it they will do nothing. it for you. It costs you nothing. Yeah. And get it done at least. You've saved another lot of grief. Mm. Have conversations with your family about yes. what things, because you know what, you're going to save rival siblings yeah. a lot of heartache yeah. and everything because one will say that mum wanted this and one will say and that mum wanted, wanted that. that. Mm-hmm. They're fighting. They're already in grief. They're creating more drama. Mm-hmm. I suggest you have a little box and you put all the things in that you box want. that you want. And if you don't want to have discussions with your family, say just say this. Go look in that should, box. <laughs> if I should cark it in the red in the in the dresser in the such and such room is a red box and everything's in there that you need to know. Yeah. Things yeah. like that. So yeah. these are the conversations we need to have and um, they will save so much heartache for mm, people that you love. Definitely. Um, have these conversations, do your research yes. and um, it is a part of life. Absolutely. It's going Absolutely. to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So. so I'm going to go back to the conversation we had a little bit earlier about breathing. Now, James, I'm not going to read out what you asked, but I do get what you're trying to say. So James is um, worried about his um, girlfriend who um, is breathing heavily uh, when she's just going about her normal stuff. So I know a little bit about this situation. And what I was going to say is I think that, For many women, myself included, when I'm stressed, my breathing increases rapidly and heavily. So I will breathe short, sharp and heavily when I'm stressed. And that feeds into what Sandra was saying Ah. about slowing your breathing so oh there's more to it that's yes. a very good question james I'll yes read what you actually wrote <laughs> yes like <laughs> i'm actually thinking i can work it out yes but the interesting thing is when we breathe with our chest yes okay which is it sends a message to our body that it actually accesses our sympathetic nervous system yes and what it sends it's it's we're actually panting yes and, yes. and most people pant they're shallow breathing because yes. they're 
feeling so that if, I say take a, if I say take a deep breath, most people go like yes. that. That's not, that's actually not breathing properly. That yes. is shallow breathing. And what that signals to the body mm-hmm. is that you're under threat. Yes. And that's what and, James and, is and describing, so that stress is, and yeah, under threat. So you actually release your stress hormones you release yes. cortisol yes. and adrenaline and it sends the energy to the extremities ready for you to run fight from or fight the bear yes so most of us are actually continuously fighting and running from the bear and yes. that's why we've got, got it getting anxiety and we're, yes. you know all that and all that sort of stuff when we breathe through with our tummies we are actually accessing our parasympathetic nervous system. So what happens when we breathe through our tummies? And this is why, listeners, I would love you to be tummy yes. breathers from now on. Yes. If you watch a puppy and a baby, mm-hmm. you, you'll see their tummies rise up and, and down. And fall. That's, our, that's how we're born to breathe. And what the message sends to our body is, yes. I'm calm, I'm, I'm okay. safe, I'm, I'm relaxed, safe. Mm-hmm. I can repair yeah, I can repair, and it actually releases all our happy hormones. hormones. So the answer to that panting, heavy breathing when you're just going about—that's clearly a stress response. That's a stress response. And so that you want to get your body out of that stress response, mm-hmm. and you want to take it back into the "I'm okay, I'm calm" response. So that's that tummy breathing and hey, breathing. Let's do this. Yes. Um, wherever you are now. Put one hand on your belly button, one hand on your heart or your mid-chest. Yes. And I would just like you to just feel the balloon in your tummy. So just as you're breathing in, feel the balloon as you're breathing out. So I'm doing this with Sandra because she can see me doing it. <laughs> We're doing and it it's together. A, it's And that analogy about pretending you have Filling a balloon, balloon in your Fill belly button. Empty the balloon. And now what we're going to do is as we fill the balloon, as we empty, we're going to go, ah, ah. Fill the balloon. Empty the balloon. Ah. ah. There you go. Live on radio, that's <laughs> how you calm your stressed life, is pretend you have a belly, f- uh, sorry, a balloon uh, at your belly button and breathe. And feel that balloon. balloon. Just gently. Just gently. And that will calm you. So just doing that with Sandra sitting on our chairs in my office, that I I feel calmer even just doing those couple of breaths. I suggest that um, what the listeners maybe who have difficulty with things um, is to, as they're going to bed at night, spend five minutes consciously consciously breathing that way. And Mm -hmm. as you wake in the morning, Spend five minutes consciously breathing that way because it's actually setting you up for a good sleep and it's setting you up for a good day. And and when you find yourself getting a little anxious, just do that. And, you know, you're giving yourself a a hug as well. I was just going to say, guys, I use this technique all the time because I – suffer from anxiety and I do get stressed and my husband will often say to me why are you breathing so heavily and that's my cue to go okay now I need to do my belly breathing Mm. and calm myself down so James 
that's what you need to tell your girl. We've got some lovely questions. Pearl wants to know, at what age should people plan a will and how often does a will need to be changed? Great question, Pearl. It is. Look, you know, really, once you become an adult. Yes. I mean, yes. we should demystify we should demystify the whole thing. Yes. Once you have assets um, that you you even a car, anything, anything, anything. You know, if you really would love somebody to have something, or you really want a control in what happens, yeah, it to gives you that, control. Yeah, it gives you control. It? Um, as I said, uh, over the age of eighteen, you would. It, this is different in different countries mm. and states. You know, it might be twenty-one in the. It in might the be states, twenty-one but in, in the Australia, states, but in 18. Australia, it's eighteen. As I said, um, we have the facility here of the public trustee, mm. which is it, it's free to make a will if you go to the public trustee. Yeah. And you can make um, the they can be the executor of the will Correct. too. Correct. So that actually really takes a lot of stress. It does. You can always go back and revise it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. obviously, if you've remarried, if the circumstances anything that change, changes, anything in that life. changes quite dramatically in your life or even, you know, just if you have thought through things and think things, you, you know, they mm. need to be a little different, you can yeah. change it. Yeah. But squinting times, it doesn't really matter. But it, it's having that peace Control. of mind and also care mm. for the people that, that you, you love behind. to not put that enormous I've look I've got friends going through oh, unbelievable yes. pain and hardship yes. um because of this not being done and yes. we, you know it's got nothing to do with age we tend to think oh I'll do a will when I'm old. Uh, when I'm older you know people die at any age for any number of for, reasons for, yeah that's right so um Now's as good as time as any, Pearl. Yeah, yeah now's a good time, Pearl. Um, Anne wants to know, how does extra stress work on your weight? Oh, my God. Oh. Before Sandra answers this, <laughs> the more stress I have, the more weight I put on. And it doesn't mean that I'm eating any differently. That's just how my body works. What do oh, you reckon, Sandra? Oh, absolutely. The, the, there's so many components with stress. Yeah. I mean, stress... Um, Obviously, when you're not breathing properly mm -hmm. and you're producing too much adrenaline, yeah. that actually affects your adrenals, which it does. affects your digestion, blah, 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 blah. There's so many things that, mm -hmm. that stress, well, stress affects. So yes. the first port of call is breathing. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's honestly, it's the first and last thing we do in I life. I agree. Um, it's, that's first port of call. Um, when I write the book, there's lots of things that I can talk to you about um, with with uh, weight, yes. Um, there's just so many components, but honestly, breathing is really, really, and Important. that and hydration, mm -hmm. uh, they're the two most. I always say, if you do nothing more in life other than learn to breathe properly and, and drink lots drink of water, enough water to hydrate. Mm -hmm. And I know there's people that say I hate water and blah blah. There's <laughs> lots of things. Read my book when it comes out. I was just gonna say we're things. gonna have to have Sandra back when um the book comes out to um talk about the book solely. So Lane wants to know how do you know the right breathing is happening? Mm, good question. It is a good question. It is a good A um for starters get your mind out of it. Yeah. Because if you're naturally anxious, you'll be panicking that you're not doing it right. Yeah. Um, 
honestly, if you can feel the rise and fall of your belly belly under your hand. You're on the right track. um, And you're breathing, love. Yes. (laughs) And it's going to be fine. (laughs) Don't don't make it hard. Just gently fill that balloon and gently empty that balloon. And if all else fails, YouTube or Google it. Yeah. Because there'll definitely be Look, something you'll feel on breathing. It, honestly, darling, you'll feel, feel the it. difference. You you'll can just feel, feel it. it. And you just lie in your bed and practice it. And you you will you will feel the difference. Get your head out of it yeah. and feel it. Yeah. As Peter says, feel yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Evie wants to know how are these different breathing? Don't they both fill the lungs? What yes, a great they question, Evie. They do both fill the lungs, Evie, but unfortunately, um, when you are just chest breathing, you're only using 10% of your capacity. Yeah. So it, it just means you're not oxygenating your body properly yeah. and so many metabolic functions occur with the, 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 the need breath. of oxygen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oxygen is a, a key component for our body to function, to repair, to like it just everything so the just the simple fact of filling your lungs with a big breath of oxygen that's that's helpful and the the other thing is too when you when you learn to default with with tummy breathing you're actually doing core exercises Mm. so that's the other thing um because what happens is you're exercising the diaphragm Mm. and the diaphragm is a big muscle yes and so as you're if you're actually doing, if you were to become um, unable to do to move yeah. or to do any, if you're bedridden, yes. if you were just to focus on, on tummy breathing, you would be actually exercising your whole body. Mm. Um, mm. You're doing aerobic exercise yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you're oxygenating your body, you're, you're exercising your diaphragm, yes. which is toning your core yeah which is also massaging your organs yes which is helping your body to detox yeah there are so many things that happen when you breathe breathing properly Mm. so it's always step one of anything yeah of any regime breathe properly yeah. Have you got another one of your little tips that you want to give away from your book in terms of little uh, tricks and habits when you're... Uh, just for, for people that are over 50, we, um, uh, there's something when we're talking about breathing and yeah. that's sleep apnea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Snoring. Um, one yes. of the things that this is really important, and I was just thinking about that when we were talking about um, oxygen. Yeah. Uh, one of my girlfriends and she's she's one that's struggling because her husband didn't do the will right her husband passed away now he had sleep apnea Mm -hmm. and he went um he did have a machine but he did he got a machine with a mask over his face and he didn't like it he felt claustrophobic so he didn't use use it what happened, he started getting almost dementia-like symptoms and became very before, tired. Before we continue with this story, so listeners, just quickly, sleep apnea are micro moments in your sleep where you actually stop breathing. Yes. And it's very bad for you. So, yes, yeah, sorry, Sandra, go yeah. on. Yeah, um, so he ended up um, having an episode where 
he went to a 60th birthday party. Mm-hmm. He fell over because mm-hmm. he got a bit disorientated and mm-hmm. cracked his head. When they took him to the hospital, they found that he had only 49% oxygen in his body. Oh, And it was wow. because – now, this is what happens. When you don't breathe properly – you actually starve your body of oxygen, but your mm-hmm. brain of oxygen. Yeah. And so you're not, you don't function properly. This set off a whole chain of events. Um, mm. He eventually ended up passing away. Oh. Now, that really led to my husband and I, who both snored. Yes. Uh, he snored chronically. We weren't getting any sleep. Yeah. And he was diagnosed, had a sleep test and was diagnosed with sleep apnea, got a machine once again with a mask. Yeah. He wouldn't use it. Uh, and when I went off at him, he said, well, you snore like a freight train. You get it tested and then I'll use it. Okay. And I thought, I don't snore. <laughs> but I did. So anyway, I had myself tested, mm-hmm. had the overnight test, and it was just, I was chronic. I had chronic sleep apnea. Oh, really? And so – what I discovered is I was actually getting up three nights, three three times a night to pee. Yeah. Um, and I was never sleeping properly. I was such a light sleeper. Yeah. What I what we discovered is I was never going into REM, rapid eye movement, deep sleep. That deep sleep that we and need. And so what happens when you don't go into REM? A, you don't have quality sleep, so you're not refreshing and building yes. your body properly, which yes. also puts on a lot of weight in your midsection. Ah. Um, it also um, – no, well, I'm just trying to think what I was up to. Um, it also, every time you get a drop of pee in your bladder, yes, yes, you think yes. you need to go to the toilet. Oh. So it wakes you up because you're oh. not in REM. You're not oh. deep sleeping. So okay. you feel every little bit. So when I finally got my machine, I chose to have nasal pillows. Okay. So then I thought, well, this is fine. Yeah. And so my husband got nasal pillows. So and we've actually now got his and her nasal pillows. Yeah. But what we found is we our weight stabilised. We got better quality sleep. We were better in ourselves emotionally. Oh. And I drink water before I go to bed because this yes. is another thing, folks. You stop drinking water, you think, oh, I keep getting up to pee. Actually, probably what happens is you've got sleep apnea. And, and yeah, okay. and you keep getting up because you're not okay. sleeping properly. Mm. I only get up if I don't, rarely get up to go to the toilet now. Yeah. But, I, but if I do, it's once. Yes. If at all. And not multiple and times. And not multiple times. Oh. So these are other other tips that I'm going to put. And yes. when I went and, and saw the doctor, she said that women, when they become menopausal, yes, what happens is the muscles in our throat become flaccid. And so it's, That's yes, why we and we often, and then we also build up more weight yeah, around yeah, our yeah, torso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so these two things contribute to sleep apnea because uh, as yeah. we in our yep. 50s yep. and when I look back my grandmother myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my mum all started freight train snoring in our 50s okay right so on. maybe that's enough so um Willow wants to know what if we get into the dream state but still snore I think that you You're, won't get into the dream state which is might, the deep sleep yeah you still got you've got sleep apnea yeah, yeah yeah I would still I would still I would have a sleep test yeah definitely yeah Mm. Um, Oliver wants to know, are those machines costly? 
No, you can get them on. You you do need to go and get referred and get a prescription, but you yes. can get them online quite reasonably. Oh, okay, mm. online for everything. Yeah, and so uh, in, and in some cases, like for example, in in our state, well, no, in our state, if you are on a healthcare card, oh, you, you actually get... get them for nothing. Okay, righto. Mm. Oh, okay. And and then you go to the hospital for regular checks yeah. every six months. So I'm not sure how that would work in the United States, but um... I would say have a sleep test get it because you have to have a script to buy them online yes so once you've got a script because you download the script you can get them online quite reasonably yeah yeah yeah. and honestly it'll it'll change your life and my recommendation i mean everyone's different but my recommendation would be to use a nasal pillow and to get one with a hose that goes up over the head over the top rather than down so you don't tangle up in it i've got a downy and i'm going to get an uppy And are the pillows comfortable in your nostrils or do they take a little while to they get used to? They take a little while to adjust, but there are different sizes, okay. so you need to get the right size. And honestly, in the beginning, you might panic in the beginning when you're using it because it's a bit different. Mm. But what I, what I learned is I tummy breathe. Yeah, yeah, and yeah to get me through the first stages of panic when it because it is quite different because you've got air rushing into yes. and it's really funny you can't have a conversation when you're using it because you sound <laughs> like Darth Vader <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny because what funny. happens is the air's going up your nose so as soon as you open your mouth it goes <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a bit of a surprise it was so uh, a whole new learning curve but you know i can speak on most things because i've experienced yeah 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 and so did hubby start sleeping better oh no it's silent in the bedroom now except when we open our mouth and go (laughs) (laughs) trying to have a conversation (laughs) and you put them on as you go to bed and obviously take them off as 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 you wake up um and they just stay on all night so it can still be romantic and then you then you're done you know i put you I, I actually, we put ours on a moon, go Thunderbirds are go. <laughs> <laughs> what a fascinating conversation. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. So I think that we are just about out of time. And, uh, yes, Rebel's telling me you are completely out of time. I'm so sorry, listeners. We've kept way over time. We've had such a wonderful conversation with Sandra today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, over to you, Rebel, and I'll see you all next week. Bye for now. This is Tony Lontis and Radio Tony. Over to you. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom!